0: As with all medical treatment, consult your own physician as it relates to your personal treatment and care. It's time for Wondrous Roots, your health from the ground up Certified holistic health practitioner, nutritionist, and traditional apothecary herbalist, Rebecca L. Montron employs the modalities of diet, lifestyle management, nutritional supplements, bioidentical hormones, and botanicals to help bring healing and optimize health. Whether you're dealing with serious illness or simply looking for a tune-up, Rebecca welcomes the opportunity to help you achieve your health-related goals. To join the conversation, dial 357-1290. Now, here's Becky. Good afternoon. Here we are, January twelfth, and it's cold out there today here in the Mananok region. Yeah. It's been cold for a few days. I don't think the wind is as bad today, Forrest. Not quite. But you, you don't worry, you're not gonna see the light of day. You know, you're you're here till you're here till midnight today. Oh, how fun. <laughs> Talking with Forrest Sunstrom here in the WKBK studio, and he is a producer of Wonder Suits, your health from the ground up. And uh, we're going to be talking today about diet in particular, Uh, some problems I've seen uh, with clients uh, and vegetarian diet, vegetarian, vegan type diet. And I know we've talk we talk about diet a lot, but I had a recent uh, contact from someone who said in the last year or so I've become vegetarian and most recently have been trying to stay as vegan as I can. I was vegan for about six months and I absolutely loved it and really thrived with it and how it made me feel. I went through some health problems at the beginning of last year, loss of abdominal pain, blah, 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 blah. So this is what I have found uh, to be the case when I've worked with people who have been following a vegetarian diet for a length of time. Uh, Usually the initial feeling, especially if if it's a type of vegetarian or vegan who actually eats vegetables, (laughs) some don't. They just avoid meat, so they eat a lot of bagels and and, uh, cereal. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes vegetarianism... Yeah, sometimes vegetarianism has nothing to do with fruits and vegetables, but, but I'm talking about people for whom it does and how health can feel fantastic for a period of time and then start to slowly go downhill. So we're going to talk about that. But first, let me introduce myself. For those of you who might be listening for the first time, my name is Rebecca Montrone. I am an herbalist and holistic health practitioner, nutritionist. I have a practice here in Keene called Wondrous Roots, at the Miller Forge building up on the third floor. Uh, That's on Roxbury Street, right off Central Square. So we are open there, 9.30 to 5, Monday through Friday. We can be reached at 603-439-2603. Or you can go to my website, wondrousroots.org, and contact me there. That's very easy to do. It just comes to my private email. I'm the only one who sees those contacts, and you are welcome to do that, invite you to do that. This is also a live radio program we're talking today. So uh, the lines are open. If you want to ask a question, it doesn't have to be related to my topic. Uh, You want to give a tip or, or make a comment or whatever, please feel free. The number here is again, if you're outside of New Hampshire, 603-357-1290. Here in New Hampshire, 357-1290. The call letters here, you're listening on AM uh, 1290 or FM 94.1. You can also listen from anywhere, uh, live streaming from the internet. That's wkbkradio.com. And, uh, we've had a crazy week for us. I waited for Dan to get my posts up and I haven't added them to my website. So, so anything you want to hear that, uh, I know some people have asked me for certain programs to listen to again. So just go to WKBKradio.com podcast. You'll see Wondrous Roots and you can just click on whatever you want. I'm not sure what the latest one was, but um, it was last week's. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, last week I had Justin Garner and uh, Justin Garner, a clinical herbalist from uh, Brattleboro, Vermont. And I love having him on this program. He's a wealth of information He is uh, super knowledgeable. If you listen to the programs I do with him, he knows pharmacology so, so well. I promise you much more than uh, your average doctor is trained in uh, when it actually comes to how pharmaceutical medications work and then also how herbs work, because that's all pharmaceutical. That's true pharmacy. And uh, he's a wonderful resource. And uh, he's going to be back. We talked already about doing another program in perhaps uh, four to six weeks also have talked <clears throat> with uh, frequent co-host Raymond, Eli- Raymond Elias from Toronto, and we're planning to do something soon, as well as John Hike out in Ohio. And actually, speaking of John, I uh, want to mention he sent me this week. I've actually got to open my newsletter. Uh, yeah, let me tell you that. I publish a newsletter about what I'm going to be doing on the radio every week, and you can receive that privately in an email. And if you just go to wondersuits.org, there's a place right there in your face to sign up. It doesn't pop up. I hate pop ups. I will never that do that to anybody. Um, but it, you can find it and you just enter your info and you, I will add you to my email list. Um, in the meantime, uh, this went out. Forrest mentioned to me I didn't see it on Twitter. And I said, it, it tells me, Constant Contact tells me it posted to Twitter at 1015, but it didn't. So if you do have Facebook, you can go to Facebook, the Wondrous Roots Facebook, and you can get the new, you can click on and get the newsletter for today. Um, so anyway, because the reason I, I say that is I talk about stuff that I can only talk so much in an hour about something. And there's always some references there that you might find a benefit and enjoy. So the one that I'm talking about right now was, uh, let me just open the newsletter myself. It um, <clears throat> says, uh, a vegetarian diet can be harmful for your health. But down to the bottom, now you all, if you've been listening to me for a while, you might <clears throat> have thought she is such a conspiracy theorist. And, uh, I do believe there are a lot of conspiracies out there. And so I don't think I'm always looking for a conspiracy, but I think I can recognize a conspiracy pretty well. And I've talked before about how the Rockefeller Foundation um, at the turn of the century, so the big standard oil and all of that and how... Um, there was a monopoly on the oil industry from the Rockefellers and then how the Rockefellers figure out with these petroleum products and things like that, they could make some really swanky drugs and, uh, set out then, uh, with the Flexner report, which was a bogus report to, uh, find fault with because the vast majority of people at that time were using what's loosely called homeopathic medicine. Um, uh, uh, strategies. So homeopathy is a specific form of natural medicine. So I, I always get a little irritated when I see people supposedly talking about it professionally, like on this clip I'm going to tell you about, and they just kind of lump everything into homeopathy. But a lot of the practitioners at that time were indeed true homeopathists. And a lot of the medical schools in this country, many, 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 um, were, were, were dedicated to teaching people natural medicine. And so the Rockefellers set out to say, to provide some evidence and take over the medical schools. So making it so that the American Medical Association is the only granting, uh, is the only uh, organization that can actually provide a medical degree in this country. And it turned the tide um, drastically. So that, uh, that, Video You can just click on on my newsletter. It's called the money takeover of medicine. And if you don't have my newsletter, big whoop, you just go to YouTube and put in the money, put in your in your in your search bar, YouTube, the money takeover of medicine, and you'll see it right there. Um, But that tells us what happened here in this country and why we are where we are right now. And uh, so that's really important. The only other thing criticism I have about that (laughs) video is and I don't know what the year was when they were listening to this man talking about it, but every doctor he refers to is a man. And then he says, doctors um, don't know anything. You know, your doctor, he doesn't know anything, knows very little about nutrition. Most doctors' wives know more about nutrition than the doctors do. So I don't know what year he hails from, but we've had a lot of female doctors for a very long time. So that's my only beef. Um, Otherwise, it's it's short. It's uh, about 10 minutes long, and it's interesting just to get a little, a little. So Forrest was showing me this picture (laughs) before we uh, came on the air of this really cool recipe. It looks like a baked avocado, like instead of a baked potato, like instead of a stuffed potato, it's like an avocado with a, with bacon um, on top, half an avocado with bacon on top, you know where that comes out of the avocado and then an egg, right? Like a whole egg in the oven. Yeah. And it made him really hungry. It does look really good. Yeah. So you can probably find that too if you just say avocado, egg, bacon, breakfast or something somewhere. So anyway, we're going to talk about, I want to say, um, and it kind of like uh, with this program, what I did was I actually went through three case histories of my own clients who had problems with vegan vegetarian type diet. And I think that that's interesting because it's all well and good, right, to talk about things in concept. Um, But it's really kind of more telling if we can see how these things affect people uh, over time. So uh, I think this is really interesting. I I have to read this um, because I say this is not so Wondrous Roots after all. The American Vegetarian Society was founded in 19, 1850 by Sylvester Graham, right? Think Graham crackers. 17. Birth, he, he was born in 1794 and lived till 1851. An early advocate of dietary reform in the United States and the inventor of Graham bread, made from chemical-free unsifted flour. Highly influential, Graham promoted vegetarianism and a high fiber diet as a cure for alcoholism and lust. Graham preached that an unhealthy diet, one containing the confounding variables of meat and white flour, stimulated excessive sexual desire, which irritated the body and caused disease. John Harvey Kellogg, Corn Flakes, 1852 to 1943, followed in Graham's footsteps. Inventor of cornflakes and a process for making peanut butter, Kellogg advocated a high-fiber vegetarian diet to combat the twin evils of constipation and quote unquote, natural urges. (laughs) Yeah. Kellogg preached against sexual activity, even in marriage. How did you know that? Right? You're never going to, you're never going to think about cornflakes the same if you are listening to this. Today, we recognize the demonization and suppression of quote unquote, natural urges as a recipe for the pathological expression thereof. In fact, we'd probably label Graham and Kellogg as nutcases suffering from serious insecurities. But the diet proposed to accomplish their goal of character building and social piety is still with us enshrined, in fact, in the government-sanctioned food pyramid based on grains, vegetables, and fruits, with the addition of small amounts of low-fat animal foods. Lop off the top of the pyramid and you will have the vegan diet, still promoted with religious fervor, even though its original dogmatic basis has been forgotten. The language of moral rectitude still lurks in the vegetarian arguments of sexually liberated new age youth. So yeah, who knew, right? Did you know that little bit of history? That's, I, I didn't. That's pretty interesting. You can see the full article if you click on there. Um, so this was, uh, uh, this, uh, some of the, the nutrients that we see missing, I, I would go to too, and there's a whole article you can pull up there. Uh, Weston A. Price Foundation is a great is pretty much my, my reference point for these things today. Um, But we need animal foods for certain critical nutrients. And among those are vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K2, vitamin B12, vitamin B6 and zinc. So when I have people who are vegetarians, vegans, and want to continue to eat that way, I always recommend nutrients to um, replace those, uh, to furnish those nutrients. And people say, well, there's lots of carrots. Well, carrots is not vitamin A, folks. It is absolutely not vitamin A. And a lot of people don't convert carotene to vitamin A. We need vitamin A from fish oil and butter and things like that. Uh, So anyway, vitamin D, you're not going to get enough from the sunshine. And especially on a vegetarian diet, you're going to your cholesterol is going to be in the toilet and you need cholesterol in your skin to make vitamin D. Vitamin K2, which is huge for bone health and um, is, is, is found in animal foods. So that one is really important. Vitamin B12. So I don't even count on people eating steak to get enough B12 Uh, because we don't know if we make intrinsic factors. So I always use something uh, under the tongue. Uh, But at the same time, uh, B12 and B6 are crucial. If you've heard me talk about MTHFR and the problems with certain defects in folate metabolism and the B12 utilization and the B6 utilization, we have a problem and in, in many people, a very common defect in one of those polymorphisms causes uh, an accelerated uh, hyperthrombosis. So forming blood clots easily. So we have to have those B vitamins. Very, 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 very crucial to uh, health. And we don't get those in a vegetarian diet, in a vegan diet. Um, zinc. So uh, I'm going to talk first about my first uh, person. This was way back in 2008. This is a woman, and what I did was I did a little clip from uh, the reports I wrote for these clients, and so it starts out, um, I don't give her name, I just say, you are a woman of 43 years, appearing to be in good health overall, you are married and the mother of a young daughter, you are a medical doctor and currently work for a nonprofit or profit organization in the city, your daily life is very demanding and your work requires frequent travel, you are a very disciplined person in your lifestyle habits, two years ago, You adopted a vegan diet that is mostly raw. You really enjoy the foods you eat on a daily basis and the thought of heavier food does not appeal to you. Initially, when you began this clean diet, you felt fabulous. But later, you began to experience gas and bloating, some constipation, and changes in your energy level, less energy, and as you put it, general malaise. And as I recall, uh, when we were meeting at that time, and I was actually uh, working in Connecticut at that point in time, and when I say the city, she was down in uh, Manhattan. Um, She was also having issues with her nails being brittle and ridged and things like that. So here we have a case of somebody who starts on a vegan diet and she, she ate what she described to me as a bucket of salad every night she was home. I mean, a true bucket. Uh, I don't think she even really put much dressing on there, any oil or anything, but it was like a huge volume of vegetables and all raw. So she was not your, um, your faddish kind of vegan who doesn't really eat vegetables, but doesn't eat meat. She was really filling her body with, tons of phytonutrients. And I think for people, when they initially do something like that, it's almost just like a cleanse. You know, you kind of just eat foods that are like that, they have a lot of phytonutrients and everything. And your body has, if you've just adopted this type of diet, and you've been eating foods that provide things like vitamin A and D, and your essential fatty acids, which is really lacking in the um, in the vegan and vegetarian diet, then you You don't notice, right, until those stores become expended. And then kind of, you know, the you know what hits the fan. You're just like, wow, I just felt like I ran into a wall. And it continues to go down from there. So um, that was my first experience of that. Then I have, um, this is from about five years ago. And the next two people that I'm going to um, reference are married. So they both came to me and, uh, with these complaints. So here is first the man, you're a married man of 28 years appearing to be in good health overall. However, you comment, you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. You feel as though your energy could be better. You sleep well, but do not feel rested. Your list of health concerns at present includes fatigue, digestive issues for the last 15 years, Halitosis, which is bad breath, um, chronic and longstanding acne, low libido, uh, memory, dif- so no sex drive, like just uh, interesting memory difficulty, dandruff. And then in his wife, and you're a married woman of 30 years uh, and appear- appearing to be in good health overall, you mentioned digestive issues and state that you would like to be better informed regarding how to be more healthy in general. During our interview, other concerns that were mentioned include short-term memory problems for three years, irregular periods, significantly decreased libido. I guess, you know, that, I guess Kellogg and Graham were right, because you've got here, you've got a married couple, no kids. They're 29, 28, and 30 years old, and they have no sex drive. Uh, Sinus pressure, always cold. Sinus pressure with mucus, weak bones, as she described it, at times painful bones, tendinitis, joint pains, chronic gas and indigestion, headaches. So, you know, what do I do um, with them? So, I'm going to go into that a little bit. And that's not on my um, that's not on my thing. But I'm going to tell you. Uh, the supplements I put them on, and it does look like a lot because it is because there's all these nutrients that they weren't getting in their diet. So I had them on, on a multivitamin with some <clears throat> vitamin D, uh, high level of vitamin D, and uh, things like that. Um, some methylcobalamin, some some vitamin B12 because they're not eating meat, so they're not getting vitamin B12. Vitamin B12 is very poorly absorbed from non-heme, um, so non-meat. Uh, Uh, sources. Then um, some extra vitamin D3 with K2, because they're not getting vitamin K2 or vitamin D3. So now another supplement of vitamin A from fish liver oil. So there's another pill to swallow some extra zinc. Uh, There was some in the multi, but um, the vegetarian diets are really low in zinc and zinc is super important for your sex drive. I mean, think of the oyster thing, right? Oysters are rich in zinc, and that's supposed to be like such a great, you know, aphrodisiac or whatever. Selenium, to make sure you're getting that. The krill oil, because now they're not getting uh, fish and and did not uh, um, object philosophically to having a supplement that came from an animal. Um, And then L-carnitine, which is for mitochondrial energy with lipoic acid, because carnitine comes from meat, carnivore carnitine. And it's super important for driving our uh, mitochondrial energy. And so, you know, these are all things that are missing. And their diet, as I recall them um, talking about food, they loved a lot of um, They're Latin American, right? So a lot of the Latin American foods, so corn, rice, beans, that kind of thing. And it wasn't like they, they were eating, you know, um, they were eating, Were not eating a colorful diet, let's put it that way. So again, not people who were just, obviously, they why would they seek me out and pay me to try to get their nutrition straightened out if they just were, you know, just kind of a junk food type of vegetarian. So um, so anyway, the this is the, the really interesting thing. It was a few months later. And I got this email from the woman. Saying, have to say, I was a little concerned at the beginning with so many pills to take as supplements to our diet, but since we have started taking them, we feel so much better. That was like with four exclamation points. So it just goes to show things need to be more balanced, and it's important. Um, I'm going to go a little bit into some of the nutrients that are... uh, are necessary. Uh, I've got a few links there. But this is the vegetarianism and nutrient deficiencies. And I like this uh, article, I'm not going to certainly read the whole thing. But I really like it because this was uh, written is written by somebody who did go vegetarian at 18. And then what happened with her health, and how you know, she was kind of um, brought around. So she said, I decided to go vegetarian when I was 18 and vegan soon after, believing I would save the animals and protect." the environment, and my health. I thought that my low intake of saturated fat would protect me from heart disease, that my low intake of animal protein and high intake of soy isoflavones would protect me from tooth decay and bone loss. Instead, over the next two years, my health took a series of blows. My digestion fell apart, fatigue set in, anxiety took hold, and tooth decay overran my entire mouth. A single visit to the dentist yielded a treatment plan that would take the following year to complete. I was a mess and I didn't know why. So I want to go back. And another thing that I printed in my um, newsletter is this. um, And it's from, I think it might actually be in that article. I think it is. Yeah. But Weston Price, remember, he's a dentist. I always talk about who uh, did a lot of study around the world on various components of, of Native people's diets and their health. So here, I am going to read this. When Weston, because this is really cool, because I didn't know this about shellfish, and, and that's just a tease. I'll get there. When P- Weston Price traveled to the South Sea Islands of the Pacific, he hoped to find plants or fruits which together, without the use of animal products, were capable of providing all of the requirements of the body for growth and for maintenance of good health and a high state of physical efficiency. What I love right there about that was Weston A. Price did not, did not set out to uh, try to slam the vegetarian diet. He was hoping he was going to find that that works, that you can get all the nutrients you need from fruits and vegetables. He was disappointed. On the island of Viti Levu, he instead found inland dwelling groups relying largely on plant products who found it so essential to consume shellfish at least once every few months that they would trade plant foods from the mountains for shellfish with coast-dwelling groups, even when these groups we uh, were at war with each other. Shellfish are especially dense in animal-based nutrients. Now, that was eye-opening to me when I was putting this program together because I, I never made that connection. I mean, animal foods, but I didn't realize this. Guess, get this. One serving of clams per month provi- provides the same amount of vitamin B12 as two servings of salmon per week. It's like one serving of clams per month provides the same amount of vitamin B12 as two servings of salmon per week. I know. One serving of oysters per week, likewise, provides the same amount of zinc as a quarter pound of beef per day. Yeah. So shellfish are starting to really look, yeah, powerful people who wish to uh, minimize their intake of animal products would do best to consume small amounts of shellfish to obtain these nutrients. For those who no, do not want to eat shellfish, the requirement for animal products m- might be much higher. So I kind of liked that idea that people can, doesn't mean you have to have a steak every day if that's not your thing, but wow, look at these things like clams and things like that. I actually want to look more into that because well, I love shellfish that most people do. Most people do. Yeah. So uh, in any case, yeah, going back, she says, I, when I read Weston Price's, going back to that article, nutrition and physical degeneration, about three years uh, after first removing animal products from my diet, I finally understood why my health had fallen apart. I had always associated nutrition with fruits and vegetables. Meat was for protein, milk for calcium, but vitamins were something you got from plant products. Yet the groups that Price studied had a very different idea of nutrition. They valued foods like liver, shellfish, and deeply colored butter for their life-promoting qualities. Price used cod liver oil, butter oil, and organ meats to supply the fat-soluble vitamins to his patients. These were mostly foods I had never eaten, and the foods with only small amounts of important animal-based nutrients, meat, eggs, and milk, were precisely the ones I had banished from my diet." So she says, not all vegetarians develop overt health problems in such a short length of time from abandoning animal foods, and some, especially those who eat eggs, milk, or occasional fish and shellfish, may maintain good health for decades. A strictly vegetarian diet, however, clearly lacks nutritional qualities that an omnivorous diet possesses. So that's when you add the eggs and the milk and the shellfish. If the people most sensitive to deficiencies of these nutrients suffer the types of problems that I did, those who are less sensitive and not suffering obvious problems may nevertheless fail to achieve optimal health without optimal levels of nutrients from animal sources. And this article will discuss those nutrients, their functions, and their sources, starting at the beginning of the alphabet with vitamin A. So I'm thinking, Forrest, maybe we'll start to head into just a musical break, and then I'm going to run through those top major ones. And uh And what that's all about, we are talking about the pitfalls of the vegan vegetarian diet when it comes to nutrition and health. Uh, My name is Rebecca Montrone. I am a nutritionist and holistic health practitioner herbalist here in Keene, New Hampshire. And uh, we're going to be coming back. If you have questions or comments or anything to offer, uh, feel free to call in. That's area code 603-357-1290. are talking here, Wondersuits Roots, your health from the ground up. We are in the, uh, the, um, okay. The, okay. So, okay. I just blanked cause I just was glancing at my email because I thought sometimes people like send in a question and then I saw something. Um, so let me just talk about this. So today I was really looking forward to going to Gerhardt Bedding, uh, his birthday party and, um, This he's had long. He was my guest several weeks ago. Gerhard Betting, we were going to be celebrating his ninetieth birthday today, and he's a wonderful man. We met at Wondrous Roots. We found out we had been involved in um, like endeavors earlier on and not met. And he's a wealth of information. He's been so active in his life in. Uh, government levels trying to maintain health freedom for people, parental rights when it comes to medical choices, oh, so much more, and we share a love of um, uh, Gerhard was born in the Netherlands. We share a love of natural medicine that he learned uh, from his mother uh, back when that 's how people stayed well and got well was natural medicine, so disappointed to hear that so there was um, there was um this was supposed to be at the Waldorf school and the heat's out. Oh. Yeah. And it's freezing today. So we're going to have a rain date. So I'm well, Gerhardt. Now anybody who's listening knows all your business, but <laughs> that just threw me for a loop. I was like, Oh, 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 Oh. And I did put that in my newsletter. You see a picture of Gerhardt there. And if you click on his name, that's a hyperlink to his, he um, has done, Oh, years of, uh, a biweekly YouTube, uh, program, and they're fascinating. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. So anyway, happy birthday to you, Gerhardt, and uh, we'll look for the rain date. So definitely do that. So we are talking about nutrients today that are missing in this typical vegetarian diet, and I uh, want to get back to that. Um, so vitamin A, the roles of vitamin A in vision, growth, immunity, reproduction, and the differentiation of cells and tissues are well known. Vitamin A also plays a number of lesser known functions. It's a powerful antioxidant in the cell membranes. It protects against environmental toxins, contributes to the regulation of bone growth, protects against asthma and allergies, prevents the formation of kidney stones, and protects against fatty liver disease. Fat soluble vitamin A originally referred to the ability of butter or egg yolks to support weight gain and prevent mortality in laboratory rats. One of the discoverers of vitamin A, Elmer Werner McCollum, initially attributed the ability of cod liver oil to treat both the eye disease uh, called xerophthalmia and the bone disease rickets to its content of this vitamin. Eventually, researchers recognized vitamins A and D as two different vitamins because heating cod liver oil destroyed its ability to cure xerophthalmia, but not its ability to cure rickets. So here we have, um, although they would determine over time the fact that the vitamin D content of butter depends on the season and the condi- condition of the cows producing it. The observation that both cod liver oil and butter could cure xerophthalmia, but only cod liver oil could cure rickets also contributed to the differentiation of vitamins A and D. Vitamin A then was originally discovered because of the life-promoting property, uh, properties of three animal fats. So think about, you know, your your great grandmother's wisdom, right? The cod liver oil, you got to have a teaspoon of cod liver oil every day. That was like, yeah, yeah. blah, But, um, but that's what that's all about. That's why that was so healthy. That was fat. That was animal based uh, vitamin A and vitamin D. I know I've said this before, but when I um, was pregnant with our daughter, Krista, uh, I had liver every single day for its vitamin A content and other nutrients, um, and I also took 25,000 international units of vitamin A from fish liver oil in a capsule form. Today, pregnant women are routinely advised not to get any more than 10,000 international units, or there could be birth deformities, and that's because of the form, and that's retinal palmitate, and that's not what we use. That's not what comes from fish. Um, that's not what comes from liver. Um, that's uh, vitamin A that is uh, is the proper kind, that is not toxic. And that you definitely need a lot more of than you think you do. And again, like beta carotene just doesn't cut the mustard. So I'm going to, I'm not going to go through everything on that. She's got paragraph after paragraph, vitamin D. um, Again, we just talked about that. Vitamin K2. So I don't know if you if you pay attention to nutrition news in recent years, we've learned it's really important to make sure if you're if you're supplementing with vitamin D3 and you're getting adequate D3 that you have K2 because they work together. And uh, so let's learn a little bit about that. Vitamin K is actually the king of the fat soluble vitamins. Vitamins A and D cooperate to tell cells which proteins to make. Vitamin K is responsible for activating these proteins and making them functional by conferring upon them the ability to bind calcium. In addition to its classically understood role in blood clotting, clotting, vitamin K is necessary for the deposition and organization of calcium salts in bones and teeth, the protection of blood vessels, kidneys, and other soft tissues from abnormal calcification, and the synthesis of important lipids involved in brain metabolism. Okay, so in the short form, in my words, that's like vitamin D3 is helping to get calcium into your bones if you have vitamin K2 present, because we don't want to just have the calcium, uh, be taking calcium and vitamin D and having that sticking in your arteries or your soft tissues and causing cardiovascular disease and things like that. So K2 is really important. Vitamin K comes in two forms, K1 and K2, and that's wrong. There's also a K3, but that's a prescription only. And uh, we've talked about that in the um, anti-cancer treatment called vitamin CK3. Um, But anyway, the forms that we can actually have access to in supplement form uh, or or, uh, things like that, or food form, like you're not going to get too much K3 out of any food, but uh, you can't just take it as a supplement. It comes in forms K1 and K2. Vitamin K1 is found in green plants, while vitamin K2 is found in animal fats and fermented foods. Vitamin K1 is preferentially used for the activation of blood clotting factors, while vitamin K2 is preferentially used for all of vitamin K's other functions. The two K vitamins are therefore not interchangeable. The clearest demonstration of this is the fact that only vitamin K2 is associated with a reduced risk of heart disease, disease. In the Rotterdam study, subjects consumed nearly 10 times more K1 than K2. A high intake of K2 reduced the risk of severe arterial calcification by 52% and reduced heart disease mortality by 57%, while a high intake of K1 that affects blood clotting had no effect. Now let me um, tell you, because you might be wondering, well, how do I get K2? What am I looking for? You're looking for... um, Oh, it's called uh, a menaquinone. Uh, No, gosh, what kind do I like? I like, uh, give me a second one. One second. Um, MK7, it's called. So in the supplements that I use, that's the MK7. And uh, that form, you only need like 100 micrograms a day. That's like nothing, right? But it's so crucially important. So like the Thorne Basic Nutrients, two capsules per day, vitamin that I use um, for a multivitamin and that I recommend to probably the vast majority of my clients. Or I also have some patch forms. They contain um, the vitamin D3 and the K2 in the proper form and in the proper uh, dose. So not hard to do, but you want to make sure if you are supplementing with vitamin D, which you should be doing because we're not not getting enough of it, um, most of us, So uh, if that's the case, then make sure you're getting the K2 as well. If you take more K2 than that, like say you take a couple of supplements that have 100 micrograms of K2, that's fine. It's not going to be too much. It's just you don't need that much. It's just pretty cool. Um, So vitamin B12 required for the synthesis of new DNA, the degradation of certain amino acids, the production of energy, the formation of red blood cells, and the formation of myelin, the sheath that insulates neurons, its deficiency occurs in four stages, beginning with declining blood levels of the vitamin, stage one, processing low cellular concentrations of the vitamin, stage two, an increased blood level of homocysteine, okay, right, because it's the B12 and the B6 and the folate that break the homocysteine down. Now, homocysteine causes health problems. Um, and a de- decreased rate of DNA synthesis, stage three, and finally pernicious anemia, stage four. Irreversible nervous system degeneration also occurs in cases of severe deficiency. So um, in any case, conventional nutritional uh, wisdom considers vitamin B12 as the one vitamin found exclusively in animal products. There are some bacteria in the small intestine that synthesize absorbable B12, but their presence is unreliable and they face competition from bacteria that synthesize inactive analogs that compete with B12 for absorption. So we can't Um, you know, we can't rely on that. Most supplements, yeah, and this is something I'm always making sure people aren't taking, supply cyanocobalamin, in which each molecule of B12 is attached to a molecule of cyanide. Since B12 detoxifies cyanide by binding it and causing its excretion in the urine, this form might have very poor bioavailability in many people. And if you're one of those people who has been prescribed vitamin B12 shots monthly by your doctor, it's cyanocobalamin. And um, it's just not bioavailable. So it's like, really? So what you want is you want methylcobalamin, hydroxycobalamin, or cobalamin, or a combination of those three forms, which are um, very bioavailable. I recommend to people generally staying on the side, because some people can get too jazzed with methylcobalamin, um, the adenohydroxycobalamin. One or the other or a combination, well-tolerated by everyone. Um, yeah, they say here, um, those needing B12 supplements should take methylcobalamin, hydroxy, uh, the hydroxy, the adeno, and forms that are more easily utilized. Um, so uh, that's really super important. Vitamin B6 contributes to myriad functions within the body. It is necessary for the production of histamine, which is involved in inflammation in most of the body, but it's essential to alertness in the brain, the production of dopamine, which is precursor to adrenaline and noradrenaline in the adrenals, and precursor to melanin in pigmented tissues, and is involved in memory, attention, and problem-solving in the brain. The storage of carbohydrate as glycogen, the production of uh, elongated versions of essential fatty acids, blah, 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 Uh, and all of these other things. I don't want to read the whole thing. You guys can do that if you want to go to that. It says the requirement for B6 is directly proportional to the intake of protein and increases with the use of oral contraceptives and under conditions of uh, hyperthyroidism, liver disease, trauma, stress. Uh, Plant foods contain one form called pyridoxine, while animals' foods contain a mix of pyridoxal and pyridoxamine. Most reactions within the human body require paradoxal, but some require paradoxamine. Paradoxine, by contrast, plays no role in the body whatsoever, but can be converted in the other two forms in the liver using B vitamin B2. Um, the plant form of vitamin B6 has three strikes against it, making it inferior to the form found in animal foods. Its conversion to the active form depends on B2 status. And vitamin B2 levels tend to be higher in animal foods. Most plant foods simply contain much less B6 than most animal foods. And most plant foods contain much of their B6 bound up with sugars that make it difficult or impossible to absorb. Okay, so I'm just going to let let that sit with you. Just again, pointing that out. Now, let's look at zinc. Zinc is a cofactor for literally hundreds of enzymes. It is an, an essential structural component of all nuclear hormone receptors. As well as some hormones themselves, such as insulin. It acts as an antioxidant in cell membranes by displacing pro oxidant metals like iron and mercury, and it is also a cofactor for the antioxidant enzyme superoxide dismutase, which is another one of those super antioxidants like glutathione. Um, they're not the same, but they're both like super, super antioxidants. A small sample of its biological functions includes cell and tissue growth, cell replication, bone formation. Skin integrity, immunity, digestion, glucose tolerance, maintenance of a high basal metabolic rate, which, right, that's going to help you stay slim, and taste acuity. Yeah, remember that when people, older people sometimes can't, they lose their sense of taste. It's a zinc deficiency. Um, Although present in grains, legumes, fruits, and vegetables, it is found in much lower amounts compared to animal foods and is much less bioavailable. Okay, so just because some of your, your plant foods contain these nutrients uh, doesn't mean that they're that available to you. That's the other side of the coin. So, um, wow, am I saying we don't get wonderful nutrients from fruits and vegetables? Of course not. Tons of phytonutrients, but these, these essential nutrients that we're talking about that can really down the road come back to bite us if we're not getting adequate amounts of those. Um, So it says, uh, oysters contain between four and 20 times as much zinc as beef, while beef contains two to four times as much as other meats, four times as much as eggs, 10 times as much as milk, and four or more times as much as virtually all plant products. Moreover, zinc absorption is inhibited by plant compounds such as phytate, oxalate, polyphenols, and fiber, and enhanced by compounds present in meat. Absorption is greater than 50% in the absence of inhibitors, but less than 15% in the context of a high phytate meal. While a well-planned vegetarian diet may escape overt zinc deficiency, it would be virtually impossible to maintain a truly robust zinc status without the inclusion of animal foods. So that's super important. Uh, Essential fatty acids, right? So we get those from our butter, from our fatty meats, from oil, oils such as, um, as uh, coconut oil and things like that, which, of course, are not animal foods. But we really need uh, the oily fish, the, um, the fat-rich fish and things like that. The essential fatty acids as a group are a double-edged sword. This article goes on to say, on the one hand, small amounts of them are required for the synthesis of various biologically important hormones and hormone-like molecules. On the other hand, they are highly unsaturated. And um, we're talking about um, the vegetable oils. And their multiple double bonds are highly vulnerable to oxidation. Even fresh, non-oxidized DHA and omega-rich perilla oil increase oxidative stress markers when fed to rats. So it says... um, All right, we're talking about, we've done that before, talking about the um, saturated, more saturated fats, monounsaturated fats versus polyunsaturate, the PUFAs. Veg- vegetarians have 30% lower levels of EPA and DHA, which we get from fish, while vegans have over 50% lower EPA and almost 60% lower DHA. By contrast, vegetarians have 10% higher levels, and vegans have over 20% higher levels of linoleic acid, the omega-6 precursor fatty acid, which can be inflammatory. If this situation is characteristics of omnivores eating a standard high diet and polyunsaturated oils, vegetable oils, we can imagine that the comparison might look like between vegans and ve- vegetarians with a population that avoids uh, the, the uh, polyunsaturated vegetable oils and consumes elongated EFA-rich liver, egg yolks, small amounts of cod liver oil. So these are the things where we're getting those fatty acids that we really need, that our brains can use, that we can can use. And that goes back to the whole food um, diet uh, promoted by the Weston A. Price Foundation. So I do want to give a plug-in for that. You can go to westonaprice.org. And uh, what a wealth of information. There's actually a Weston A. Price uh, chapter here in this area that meets uh, once a month. And if you want to get in touch with me, I can find that information for you. Another good resource for that is Celeste Longacre. A lot of you know her in this uh, radio family. Uh, Celeste is a wonderful gardener and out in Alstead, New Hampshire, and she's uh, a member of that foundation, probably one of the one of the major organizers of. Uh, that's Celeste Longacre, and you can you can Google her, take you right to her website as well essential amino acids, uh, cholesterol uh, is very important uh, for us to have and we get that from our animal foods. Uh, So anyway, I you know, I hope this has encouraged you to feel a little bit maybe you've done something. Hey, you know what? You're to be applauded if you've changed your diet to eliminate things you really enjoy to say, Wow, I really think, you know, going vegan, vegetarian is the way to go, and I'm going to do this for my health. Uh, Maybe you're one of those people and uh, want you to know about this. And I want you to know if you're one of those people who've been doing this for a while and you're not feeling that great, uh, that there might be some reasons for that that uh, need to be addressed. And again, uh, like the couple I spoke with. I spoke about, uh, she said they both felt much better. Uh, they didn't want to change their diet. They really didn't, um, for whatever reasons, but in that case, then you got to take some, some stuff to, to fill in the gaps. And there's nothing wrong with that either, but, uh, just to be aware and to know, I think it's really important. In my, uh, letter there, I did have to just shout out, um, you know, my again, you know that I am an anti-vaxxer. I, I proudly say that I am devastated all the more I read about um, about <clears throat> vaccine injury and what we are doing to our population. But this is a very interesting and this is not, again, a gloat. We talked a few weeks ago, I happened to mention and highlight a doctor who was uh, no a, a senator in New York who was uh New York state who was, uh, advocating everybody get the flu shot, that the flu shot be given in the schools and that, um, and that the flu shot can make the difference between life and death. And he died after his flu shot. So, um, that was a little ironic. This one is the famous cancer doc in the United Kingdom died, just died this week of massive organ failure, just hours after receiving a yellow fever vaccine recommended for travel. And, uh, So that's just important to know. It says here, um, Dr. Morton Gore, a widely celebrated cancer doctor credited with, quote, unquote, saving thousands of lives, died from total organ failure just minutes after receiving a vaccine shot yesterday. Dr. Gore was a professor of cancer medicine at the Institute of Cancer Research based in London. He died suddenly yesterday after a routine inoculation for yellow fever, was planning to do some travel. And then also, oh, looks like we have a call. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi there. Hi. Um, I'm just calling to let you know that um, I've really enjoyed listening to this hour. Thank you. And this show. I appreciate that you not only am sharing some of the challenges of the vegetarian diet, but also some of the ways of supplementing in order to be able to live that lifestyle. Because yes. I do, I do know some people that. It's just really um, h- um, hard for them to think about eating an animal, so um, they just really need to do something different, but successfully. And you right. make that available. Yes, it's really great. And I think thank you. you. Thanks for that's a great comment. Thank you, and thanks so much for listening and calling. Uh, yeah, and I think you know for people like that. You can feel a lot better if you're relying on things like butter and eggs and dairy and things like that because that's not actually killing an animal. Uh, Some people have a problem with that. Um, So those things, you know, are are, they come from animals, but they don't harm animals. Well, I don't like the way they take care of a lot of the animals, but I'm careful with my cage free and my grass fed and that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, and uh, I do understand that from people, and I do also want to say. I found a really cool um, recipe for comforting shiitake mushroom soup. So talking about um, a vegetarian kind of thing, but mushrooms are so good for us. This is like awesome. It looks delicious. It has um, coconut oil, grass-fed butter. So there we've got some really good fatty fatty acids, Um, red onion, carrots, garlic, uh, 10 ounces of fresh shiitake mushrooms. 16 ounces of turkey drippings or organic or turkey broth. Himalayan salt, pepper, parsley. And that's super nutritious. I honestly feel like I want to make that today. And if you do have my newsletter, you can click on that. If you don't, uh, just Google comforting shiitake mushroom soup, and I'm sure you'll find it. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, a wonderful day. And uh, we'll be back next week with another riveting topic of some sort, um, which I'll discover this week sometime.